Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we have Pastor Aaron Dowds. He's going to share an amazing message. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. What a privilege it is to be with you this morning. What a privilege to share God's Word together. And um, if you like technology and you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you could open that, click on the More button, click on Events and Location Services should detect here, and you'll have all the notes. Or you can just search the Vine Church or Dunfermline. You'll have all the Bible verses, uh, etc. we're going to use in there. But it all started with a pair of trainers. These ones, to be precise, Neon Kicks. I was in the Entertainer Toy Store. If we could get a timer on, please, Clara. Entertainer Toy Store and um, browsing. And we came across these trainers for £10 and ended up buying two pairs from our two oldest girls. We get home and uh, can't wait to see this amazing technology work and um, First girl gets her pair on, working beautifully. Second daughter uh, presses the button to see the amazing flashing lights. And this is what happened. So obviously it just needs charged. So she, she goes to charge the trainer and it doesn't work. And um, this is what should happen. <laughs> this is what should happen, but that's what did happen. It's not quite the same, is it? It's not quite the same when you don't have two that work. So what could be simpler than taking them back and um, getting a pair that work? But no, um, it was a Saturday, the store was closed, and um, I, w- I would have to wait till Monday morning. Of course, online, they're sold out. Of course, Dunfermline don't have the size, and of course, Dunfermline um, so, uh, would, would <laughs> didn't have what I was looking for. So I was came to my office that morning and started to pray, and I felt God say, um, phone the toy stores now. I thought, that's strange. God's telling me to stop praying. I was like, okay, I'll go and phone the toy stores right now. So I got the list, and I phoned about six or seven stores, and the only store in Scotland that had the size in stock um, was East Kilbride, about an hour's drive away. And I was thinking, that's not bad for a daughter to make her happy, an hour's drive. Um, I'll I'll make the most of it. So um, I said to them, open the box and make sure they both work. I'm not coming all the way to East Cold Pride for a broken pair. So about three times the lady was uh, getting a bit suspicious. She said, definitely work. Yeah, definitely that size. Yeah, UK, not US. UK size, this one. Yeah, okay. Keep them aside. You're going to keep them aside? Yeah, you'll put them aside. Right. <laughs> so I was like, okay, God, wonderful. I've got victory. I've got a pair. It's in East Cove Brides. And I went back to pray. And as I was praying, I got the sense, why does God want me to go to East Cove Brides? I'm like, I had a funny, sneaky suspicion that it wasn't just for a pair of trainers. So as I was praying, I says, okay, God, why have you got me going to East Kilbride? And this is what we've been doing a series called Whisper. This is the sense that I got. It was just a sense. It was just an impression. It was just like there's a young guy. He's got a father wound. Um, he's wearing a cap. And he's got a blue jacket on. And you're going to meet him. And I thought to myself... I'm making this up. I'm imagining this stuff. This is just my imagination because I've heard of it in videos in India and places like that. I'm like, but that doesn't happen to me. That's not kind of like an everyday ordinary experience for me. So I was driving over, but then I I says, okay, 
okay, I'll just believe that. And I did have a strong sense. All, all I had was a strong sense that something was going to happen. That's all I can put it down to. Went back to prayer and God said, go now. That was the sense. It wasn't a voice. It was just a sense, go now. I'm like, you tell me to stop praying again, God. <laughs> I don't pray enough. I'm, I'm, he's like, go right now. And um, so I went and blew up my tire first because uh, I have to blow up every 24 hours at the moment. That's another story. Because some incompetent garage welder. Is, no, well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> so I've blown the tire up every 24 hours. And I drive to East Kilbride and I, um, I come out the car park, walk into the supermarket, and there's a guy sitting outside smoking a fag with a cap on. And I immediately checked for the color of his jacket because I, I was told a blue jacket. He had a Celtic strip on. I immediately thought, no, see you later, pal. No, I'm only joking. And then um, he had the jacket tied around his waist and it was black. I was like, ah, that, he's not the guy. I must have missed it. I must have heard wrong. So I, I said to him, mate, where's the toy shop? He goes, there's a few down there. And then I didn't know what else to say, so I just kind of chickened out and went, thanks, pal, see you later, and uh, walked down to get to the toy shop. And I thought, maybe there's another guy sitting outside the toy shop, and we'll wait and see. So I get about 50 meters down, and then I get the strong sense, that's your man, you've missed him, you've missed your opportunity. I was like, okay. Turned around and went back to find him, and he was walking towards me, this guy. And I says, mate, I need you to show me where that toy shop is. So he says, I know, Bob, come on, pal. So... And I was like, how's things? No bad. Got a wee bit of chat going. I says to him, you fancy a coffee? He goes, nah. I says, that's no bother, pal. Where's this toy shop? And I was thinking to myself, that approach wasn't uh, very successful. So um, we get closer to the toy shop and we're passing a cafe. So this time I decided to be a wee bit more assertive. I says, lunch is on me. Come on, let's go and get a bite to eat. You up for it? He's like, oh, okay then. Okay. So we went in. We sat down. He had an iron brew, he had something to eat, and we began to chat. And he began to, I began to listen to his story um, about him not being able to work for six years. When he was nine years old, he was in a car accident, he actually died and came back to life. And all I got was the sense that this guy's got a major confidence issue. And so I started to tell him some stories about my own self-confidence and how God was teaching me. And then I basically came out and said, mate, you know what I'm here for? I'm from Dunfermline. I'm here for a pair of trainers, but I'm not actually here for the trainers. They're secondary to the real purpose. It says, God has sent me here to give you a message. I don't know if you believe in God. You might find this is pretty freaky or weird. But anyway, this is, this is what it is. And I presented to him a message. And in as simple and basic way as I could. And it was, he was little tears in his eyes as he was starting to hear about how God believes in him. That God cares for him. That God's interested that he's not got a job. And God wants to help him get a job. I said, mate, would you mind if I prayed for you? I know that might seem a bit strange. That doesn't happen to you every day in East Kilbride. Perhaps maybe it does. Maybe they're more spiritual in East Kilbride than Infirmary. I don't know. But would it be all right if I pray with you? I'll just keep my eyes open. It doesn't need to be freaky or weird. I'll just say a wee prayer. Because God helps me through prayer. And so in the cafe, I had a wee prayer with this guy. And after I said, do you mind taking a wee video? He was dead self-conscious and lacked confidence and didn't really want a video done. I says, mate, I'm not going to post it on social media and maybe not include this in the recording. Just keep recording it now. We can edit it. But here's just two minutes 
of Derek from East Kilbride. Let's just play that video thing. God works all things to the good of those who are called according to those who love him, are called according to his purpose. Even a pair of broken trainers, God can turn around for his good. Please pray. You know, God's heart for the lost is just absolutely incredible. And we're going to look at a passage, if we could. We're going to look at a passage of scripture today. And in it, Jesus is going to give us an example of the influence that he wants us to be in this world. Jesus is going to show us by example and by teaching a fun and easy and a non-cheesy, non-cringy way for us that we are called to love and influence people. In this passage today, we're going to discover how that you and God's desire is for you to influence people, to love people, and help them be reconnected back to God, which is the first relationship that requires to be restored for a time of refreshing for a person to come back to their original purpose, to thrive and to have an abundant life. Let's turn to Matthew 9, 10 to 13. Matthew 9, 10 to 13. It's on the screen, so let's all read it together. Okay, let's try. I'll read it together on your screen, okay? And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, loud voices, let's do it. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, here we see Jesus being asked a question by the Pharisees. And this is an extreme group of Jews. They actually calculated that the law contained 248 commandments and 365 prohibitions, which meant on the one day in the leap year, they were allowed to sin free of a prohibition. I, no, I did that wee bit on. But they did believe that there was 365 prohibitions, and they believed and aspired to keep them all. That's a heavy yoke to carry that they burdened the people with. Now, they were surprised Despite their knowledge of Scripture, they were surprised that Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. We want to ask ourselves, why were they surprised? Why was that a surprise? Why was that um, unexpected? Why did they even ask the question? Well, Jesus was a Jew, and so they thought that Jesus should act like them. How did they act? They followed very strict rules of ceremonial purity, and they thought to eat with such dirty people, in inverted commas, would make them ceremonially unclean. So it was unthinkable for them to eat with tax collectors and sinners. And if this man, Jesus, claimed to be a religious man, surely he would know that, and surely he wouldn't be doing what he's currently doing. Why were the tax collectors so despised? They were viewed as traitors because they were helping the Romans to collect taxes. And the Romans were obviously ruling at that period of time. The tax collectors had to bid 
to the Romans. To be accepted as a tax collector in the first place and the highest bidder would win. So in order to recoup their money, they would overcharge the taxes from the people. They were seen as corrupt. They were seen as traitors. They were often very rich. And therefore, they were despised. They were viewed as dishonest and robbers and were normally wealthy people. And here is Jesus eating. What's so uh, significant about eating? It's an act of friendship. It's an act of hospitality and acceptance. So the Pharisees were puzzled. How can Jesus accept these people? How can Jesus befriend this type of people? He should be eating with us, the Pharisees. He should invite us to a grand banquet and table, and we should probably be sitting at the head of the table. But how could Jesus claim to be a religious person and befriend such people as these? The the Passion Translation puts it this way. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? That's That's how they viewed them. Scum of the earth. Dirt. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Look down their nose and sneered at them. Now, Jesus' answer is absolutely fascinating, and it's insightful. And what is his answer in verse 12 of Matthew 9? We see it up on the screen there. He says, it is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. So they're asking him, he overheard them asking disciples why their teacher ate with sinners and tax collectors. And he comes back with this phrase about, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but a sick And these words are really revealing because straight away they reveal and and give us insight into Jesus' intention. Jesus' intention in eating with them right from the start. You see, the people he viewed with, he ate with, were viewed as scum. And they probably knew that. And they probably felt like that. And they probably didn't feel that great about themselves. Is that how Jesus viewed them? Well, his words reveal how he viewed them. He viewed them as sick and in need of a doctor. Now, that's a massive difference how the Pharisee viewed them and how Jesus viewed them because sick people deserve compassion, sympathy, kindness, and love. That's how Jesus viewed them. They're not scum. They're just just sick. Scum don't deserve that. Because how you view a person determines how much distance you keep from a person. How you view a person determines the distance you will keep from them. And straight away, the challenge comes, how do I view annoying people? How do I view people different from myself? How do I view crude people, wild people, strange people, prisoners, people different from me. Well, a telltale sign how I view them is how much distance I keep from them. How you act towards them and treat them. Do you separate yourself from them and keep your distance like the Pharisees? Or do you get up close and personal Like Jesus, that's why I love Jesus. He's radical. He defies all expectations. The people he hangs out with are the wild, crazy, despised, scum in inverted commas. That's how the religious ones viewed them. 
or do we? Do I get up close and personal like Jesus? So Jesus answered, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But wait a minute. Who mentioned anything about a doctor? They asked, why do you eat with these dudes? So he's just eating with them. He's not got them in a doctor's surgery. He's not got them in a synagogue or in a church building. He's not got them in an operation ward on a table. Not an operation table anyway. He's got them round the dinner table. And here's an incredible power and revelation that Jesus is modeling and teaching. The dinner table is Jesus' doctor's surgery. The dinner table is where the diagnosis will take place. The dinner table is the place where the prescription will be written. And the dinner table will also be the pharmacy where the medicine will be dispensed. And the dinner table will become the home where the medicine is consumed. Because this process, as you know, is normally quite lengthy. To get an appointment, first of all, you've got to get past the receptionist. And I'm not going to say any more. Why is there so much laughing? You've got to get past the pharmacist. What he's laughing at? Why does it take so long anyway? It's only a box of cream, for goodness sake. What do you mean 10 minutes wait? I could pick it off the shelf myself, son. Well, go on then. <laughs> it been five years to learn how to pick the right cream and stick a label on it and give it to you. And it does take 10 minutes. <laughs> and I could tell you the science of how that cream was formulated and why and how it's dispersed evenly and distributed around the ointment. But that's not of use to you whatsoever. So you've got to get past the pharmacist, the receptionist, and that takes on multiple locations, doctor, surgery, pharmacy, the house. But Jesus sees the dinner table as a powerful place. He sees the dinner table as a powerful place. Almost as powerful as a doctor's surgery, if not far more so. After all, even after visiting a doctor, sometimes this happens. And apologies to the doctors in advance. I've had a wee dig at pharmacists and receptionists. Now it's the, the doctor's turn. But don't worry, we'll, uh, well, we shouldn't take ourselves so seriously. It's good to laugh, isn't it? Apologies to the doctors. You work incredibly hard. You are greatly valued. You do an amazing job, especially when you go to Haiti. But it's good to, it's good to not take ourselves so seriously and have a bit of a laugh, isn't it? But very often, doctors can't treat the symptoms and very often there's no medicine or therapy for the root cause of the problem. Very often it's symptomatic treatment where we're de dealing with the symptoms but not necessarily the root cause. But Jesus answers the question, why do you eat with such riffraff with the answer, it's not the healthy who need the doctor but the sick? Because Jesus is revealing his missional methodology, his method of reaching people with good news. He's revealing it by example and by words. And this is why Rosaria Butterfield, in her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, this is the catchiest uh, title for a book you'll, you'll ever get. It's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Practicing Radical Ordinary Hospitality in Our Post-Christian World. <laughs> and, um, it's, uh, and the reason is because it's a long story. But she was a, professor, a lesbian professor who campaigned for the LGBT. And it was a hospitality of a Christian pastor who invited her to dinner. 
that led to incredible transformation in her life. She got hate mail, she got fan mail, and she got one letter she couldn't position. It was a hospitality letter, an invitation to dinner, to come to this pastor's house. What did he begin? A friendship with someone completely different from him. How did he view them? How did he view them? And how much distance did he keep? See, that's what we do. We keep distance. We keep distance from those that are different from us. We keep distance from those we disagree with, have got different lifestyles from us. Jesus didn't. This pastor didn't. And it led to incredible transformation. And this is what she says. Hospitality is fundamentally an act of missional evangelism. Wow. Unpack that. Meditate on that. Let that soak in. If you believe we live in a post-Christian world and you believe this is a crisis, then let's act like it. The way we deal with crisis is to understand that hospitality is a form of spiritual warfare. So Jesus was eating and drinking with these people, but he was engaging in an act or a form of spiritual warfare. Light was invading darkness. Impact was being made through contact. We call down, she says, from heaven, the power of the gospel to save, and we embrace our unsaved neighbors. So there's, there's the word, embrace. Wow. Embrace. Embrace our unsaved neighbors. We embrace those that are different those that have got different values, those that have got different religions, those that have got different worldviews. And you cannot embrace from a difference. You cannot embrace over social media. You cannot embrace without contact. You know, I, I said at Fight Club half jokingly, I'm not surprised there's so many atheists in the world given how many mean Christians there are out there and how many boring Christians that put people off the church and put people off Christianity, that Jesus didn't, like the Pharisees, but Jesus didn't put people off. They were amazed and drawn, and that's the difference. Jesus embraced, embraced those that are different. So when Jesus is eating with sinners and tax collectors, he is engaged. There, sorry. He's engaged in a form of spiritual warfare where light is shining into darkness. Salt is being robbed into the meat of people's lives. And Jesus is demonstrating and revealing that connecting with people over dinner is a way to people discovering their healing. What is people's real sickness? The sickness that is the root cause of every other sickness. What is, what is the sickness? It's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick what is the sickness? The sickness is disconnection. And we see that from Genesis, right at the start, after Eve ate the apple. What was the result? Disconnection. R broken relationships. Separation. Disconnection from self. Disconnection from God. Disconnection from loved ones. Disconnection from people. Disconnection from the world and creation. The symptoms mankind has is broken relationships. And the root cause of the symptoms and the broken relationships, we know it's a virus. And what's the virus called? We know the virus is called sin. And it shows itself 
its results, its symptoms are broken relationships. And it leads to these symptoms. And actually, broken relationships is the real cause of poverty. Because you can have someone like Avicii, who has it all, success, fame, money, everything, and is absolutely poor that he ends his life. His life ended early. So sad, such creative genius, such amazing music. I love, yeah, that, what, what was the word you, Ewan used? What was it, Ewan? Banging. Some banging or some tunes. That's a tune, eh? Avicii. So the sickness is disconnection, okay? But Jesus knows that if people are to get healthy again, they need reconnection. For people to get healthy, they need their four key relationships restored and healed. And the first one is the broken relationship between man and God. And once that is restored and healed, the relationship between man and God, which is broken, it opens the door for the other three broken relationships to start to be repaired. You see, man does have a broken relationship with himself. He was never born and created to suffer game, uh, guilt, and shame, and insecurity, fear, low confidence, low self-esteem, uh, low self-belief. But man struggles with these things. Why? His relationship with self, his view of self, his identity, his emotional intelligence is broken because of the first broken relationship between man and God. And because of the broken relationship with God and self, man's relationship with others is broken. You don't have to work in any workplace uh, for long to, to know that relationships are broken. Relationships, human relationships are difficult. There's fear, there's insecurity, there's jealousy, there's backstabbing, there's competition, there's lack of trust. And this leads to the broken relationship with world and creation. Instead of transforming creation and making it a more beautiful to, place to live, man is either apathetic towards creation and doesn't bother, doesn't care. It's not my job. I can't solve this. Who, are, who am I? Or he participates in the further degradation of creation. Of course, this is an oversimplified summary of the situation but I don't have five hours, so we'll stop there. See, disconnection is the root cause of man's sickness. And if that is a problem, what is the solution? We see there reconnection. Reconnection back to God, which allows the door to open to reconnection to self, others, and creation. And Jesus' desire is to bring reconciliation to these four broken relationships, to lead people out of poverty. And reconciliation very simply means to put back together into a right relationship, to take a broken relationship and make it right. And this is the church's call and mission that we can see in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20. I'm not going to go into it in great detail, but it says he brought us back to himself through Christ and has given us this task of reconciling people to him. You know, you have a task, and it's to help take people from a broken relationship with God into a repaired relationship with God. He goes on to say, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You know what? 
the church's message is meant to be a wonderful one. Why has it become so negative? Why has it become so about what the church is against, and yet it's meant to be about what God strongly wants and desires, which is his children back home? We, you are Christ's ambassadors. God is his making appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So the first relationship needs to be restored, and that's between man and God. And this is accomplished, what Jesus accomplished. It's why he died on the cross, in order that man could be reconnected back to God, which then opens the door for the other relationships to begin to be repaired. But the first one, we can't forgive others. We can't yeah, sort our self-esteem out until we first have our relationship with God sorted. So Jesus answers the Pharisees, it's not the healthy we need a doctor, but a sick and that's why he eats with people. You see, hospitality is Jesus' way to bring people back to health. Hospitality was Jesus' way of connecting with people. It was his way of connecting to build rapport in order to plead with people, come back to God. And Jesus, he modeled how to do it by example, and he taught how to do it. And we can also follow in his steps because he has called us to be his ambassadors, representatives on the earth. See, God wants you to be a connector that shows hospitality, that eats and drinks with people far from God, and let God make his appeal through you. I was down at a Hope conference, I think it was last year, or maybe the year before with Stephen. I was in my car late one night, it was 11 o'clock, and I saw a guy walking past with a bag on his back. I knew he was homeless. It's about 11 o'clock at night, been driving along, uh, and I just wanted to go to my bed. And um, I, felt, I felt a strong impression again, chat with that guy. But I always try, if we're possible, try and get an opportunity to eat with them. I just think it changes the whole dynamics. And um, I called Stephen and we went and there was a chip shop open and we sat down and we had a chat. Here's just a two-minute video of my time. His name is Gary Stanley. This is uh, Gary Stanley. We just met with tonight. Up, please. Thank you. This is uh, Gary Stanley. We just met him tonight. We just uh, met a new friend. And uh, it's okay, lad, you share a few things. Gary's yeah. going through a tough time brother died of an overdose three and a half months, um, so he moved up here from, uh, from Essex, um, living rough because he can't find anywhere to live or sleep, so he's sleeping outside at the moment, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and uh, I just bumped into him in the car park, we've had a good chat, good discussion, I told him a little bit about Caleb and kind of shared a wee bit about God and faith and what it means to and invite God into your life. And, we got a chance to pray for you, didn't we? Yeah. How did that feel for you when we prayed and how you, you sense sense anything? Or? Yeah, I felt I felt overwhelmed. That's well, so the feeling of the feeling. Yeah. I felt I felt like there was a little bit of hope in the first time But it, things are gonna turn out alright. That makes sense. It felt nice, it felt nice to have someone care about me. Last 
we've been talking with Gary tonight about dreaming and believing again. Things are going to change for you. Thank you. Gary knows he's going to start praying. Things are going to change. I'm getting him to imagine and believe of himself as the self that he was created to be and wants to be. A nice house, a nice missus, good job, children, a good job. He's worked with a printing company and even one better, he's one printing company. Yeah. And I'm wanting the first free batch of flyers for my new church. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there we go, and you can come up and help it. But um, yeah, we're going to be praying for this guy. He's a good, good guy. Um, I, I think that God wanted us to meet you tonight to encourage you, to give you hope, to give you, um, and we, you know, we're going to continue to pray for you. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Sorry for the poor sound quality there. I don't know if you could make it out. How did you feel? Kind of overwhelmed, actually, he said. It's nice that somebody cares. I, I don't know how many people have stopped to chat with that guy. It's easy to put the money in the tin, isn't it? It's not so easy to sit down and begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and, and share your story. But Jesus modeled, it's not the healthy need a doctor, but the sick. Why do you eat and drink with people? Why do you remove the distance? Why? Because people are sick. Why? Because they need a doctor. And why? There is something incredibly powerful about connection between two human beings, especially when you consider that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that Christ is in us. The light of God is in us. And so if connection takes place, what can happen? It's only when connection takes place that something of the life of God can somehow be transmitted, something of the light of God, something of the hope of God, something of the kindness, the goodness, the mercy of God can flow from one being to another, which cannot happen when there is distance. Oh, there we go. Look at the heart. not a challenge, it's not a task, it's not a duty, it's the heart of Father. May we never try to do anything for God out of duty. May we never try to do it to tick a box. May we never try to do it to make myself look good or to gain some reward. May I do it because I'm compelled by love. We're going to unpack this more next week, but drawing this to a close, he says, in, in this way, you see, Jesus was wanting to show them mercy. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I need a whole message next week to unpack that, because he's quoting from Isaiah, Hosea, the Old Testament, 6 verse 6 and 4 verse 1. So I'm going to unpack that next week, but Jesus knows the dinner table is the perfect place for connection to happen. And if you're ever going to reveal and explain the mercy, the kindness, the goodness of God, we have to connect with people because connection is possibly one of the greatest demonstrations of acceptance and love. 
it was for Rosaria Butterfield when the pastor connected with her at the dinner table and said, Grace, despite her being an atheist, we was far from God. How would that woman have ever got home to God? I have no idea. It wasn't letters. It was connection. Because it's the foundation place where healing begins. It may not happen instantly, but it begins the process of healing. Connection by eating with people is a way to listen to people. It's a major part of the blessed strategy. Begin with prayer. Listen, eat, serve, and share your story. We're quick to share our story, <laughs> but it comes last. You can't share your story until you know their story. Then you bring in your story and you intertwine God's story and you have the three stories together. But we're so quick. We've not even heard their story before. We're showing their story. And they're like, I don't care about your story, mate. You've not heard mine. You don't know how much pain I've got. this love and compassion for people and somehow we can communicate the love and compassion to others through connection it may not happen instantly it takes time and as we said we need to healing can take place if there's listening if there's empathy and if there's compassion if we are connected to the voice of the Father, if we are sheep, we hear his voice, and then we're listening the whole time, saying, Father, give me your words that will be what this person needs in this moment. I've got one moment, Lord, one moment. I'll never, never see Gary Stanley again. I've got one moment, Lord. Could this moment be the, the pivotal moment where you take him from one road to the next? Because I don't know how many more years he's got walking on this earth. I don't even know if he's got a year. But can I somehow, Father, convey your love and help reconnect him back to God? And we'll ask the band to come back up just now. This is on your Bible app notes, but if you doubt the power of connection, a man, a psychologist, Christian psychologist, wrote this book called Connecting, and we're going to close with these words. Just come back up, band. He says this. The full quote is on your Bible app notes. I'm just going to read a, a, a few. He says, for most of the century, we have wrongly defined soul wounds as psychological disorders and delegated their treatment to trained specialists. Damaged psychs aren't a problem. The problem is disconnected souls. We need, what we need is connection. What we need is a healing community. In his most significant book since the immense successful Inside Out, Dr. Larry Clark Crabb expands on his lifelong work in the field of psychotherapy to adopt a groundbreaking but biblical approach that centers around building intimate healing mini communities in our lives and churches. Dr. Crabb envisions a day when communities of God's people, ordinary Christians whose lives connect as husbands to wife, brother to sister, friend to friend, will accomplish most of the healing that we now depend on mental health professionals to provide. Oh my goodness, how many centuries were there no mental health professionals? And for once, don't for one second think I'm undermining the importance of my mental health professionals. I'm very grateful. They do a great job and they're vastly important. But how many centuries have we done without mental health professionals? Because we have become 
isolated individualistic culture and perhaps most of the healing took place in a connected culture he says god has deposited within us the power to heal soul disease and that power is released to do its work as we relate to each other in revolutionary new ways in challenging practical language dr crab shows us how he says the power is released by connecting with the hearts and souls of other people and allowing God's grace to flow freely through us to them. Let me repeat that last one. The power is released by connecting with the hearts and souls of other people and allowing God's grace to freely flow through them. So I want to ask you today, if Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors, what does he want of me? Am I more comfortable sitting behind a computer than next to a drug addict or next to a homeless person or next to an atheist or next to a Muslim or next to my neighbor? Because if my two greatest commands are to love God and love neighbor, is it possible to obey the two greatest commands without showing mercy and practical acts of goodness, love and kindness to others? Without spending time with and around people, Am I more preoccupied with sacrifice for God, which is about things, than mercy, than which is about people? Where is my focus more? Was Jesus isolated from believers and from the people of the world? Or did he make contact in order to impact? What is Jesus calling me to today? I'm starting with me, folks. I tell you what, I'm not getting up here and saying, hey, I've got it all sorted. I don't. I'm not saying I've got it all right, I don't. I don't say I've not got changes to make, I do. I'm challenged first and foremost myself, people, and the church of Jesus Christ today. What is Jesus calling the church today? And how will I respond? How will I I act? Because remember, faith without action is dead. How am I going to put my faith into action? How can you begin with the blessed strategy? Who will you open your home to or eat with this week? Never underestimate the power of Christ in you. Never underestimate the power of light in you. Let's stand to our feet. Dear Father, we thank you. We thank you for your incredible love that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on a cross that we could be brought home to you. Everybody, let's just repeat this prayer. If you want to come home to Father today and begin a new journey, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for dying on the cross. Please forgive me for all my wrongdoing and come into my life and give me a fresh new start in Jesus' name. If you said that prayer today, Father hears you. Just put your hand up nice and high. Anybody say that prayer? Thank you so much. Anybody else? Two, three, four, five. Thank you so much. That's incredible. If I could ask Lindsay and Ewan just to stand at that back table, please. There's gold bags and silver bags. At the end, guys, for those that put your hand up, I just want you to get a gold bag of my beautiful wife and my handsome friend, Ewan. And uh, they're going to give you a bag which has got a little letter in it that wants to help you on your next step in the journey. Let's praise God for this morning. Come on, pray, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Dear Father, 
Would you stir our hearts, Lord, with your mercy? God, would we be so consumed with your love? God, would be so consumed with your love for me? That God, I just flow, that we're filled and then we flow and then we find. God, may your church be filled with your love. May we flow with your love and may we find those that need your love and may we do it joyfully, God. (laughs) Supernaturally, natural, without weirdness, without cringiness, God, who you created us to be. But God, would you get us off of sacrifice and onto mercy, off of things and onto people. Would you stir our hearts, God? Would you revive us? And would you let miracles begin to happen? Let's let's sing that song. I think it's was it about miracles and what's what's the what's the name, titles of the song she had again? Which one was it now? The the elevation one, George. Yes. Let's do here is in heaven. Okay, come on, let's let's finish with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.